Amen. Well, it's good to worship with you guys and to see you and to hang out. Um, I hope you guys had a good time last week. Actually, I really don't care if you had a good time. I hope you got something out of last week's uh, panel um, with uh, all the questions and stuff that were asked. And I heard from the ladies' side that that went well also. And so I hope it was beneficial to you more than anything. Um, But we're going to be in a couple different spots tonight in Scripture. So we're going to be in Luke I believe it's Luke 17, along with Matthew 26. So you can kind of hold your spot in both of those if you want to. We're going to be in Luke 17 first. I'm going to do some uh, work on the front end before we get there, though. So just so that you can have that there, we'll jump in that soon. This is our last week of this relationships series and... I was thinking about this. It seemed as though uh, this was asked a lot that we would jump into a series on relationships and um, definitely not against that or anything. But I don't want you to feel like you have to wait a year to talk about that with us. And so just know that your leaders are here for you. I'm here for you. Eric is here for you. And if there's things going on in your life that deal specifically towards relationships and such. We're, I'm not going to claim as a relationships counselor, but um, there is something to be said in God's word when it comes to that, and I will, I will point you in that direction. But don't feel like you have to wait a year to talk to us about relationships and such, but we're here for you, and we know that relationships are hard, and they're messy, and more difficult than we care to admit. And, but the reality is we live in a sinful, fallen world, and things aren't as they are intended. So with that, though, I do just uh, – I don't like talking about what we're going to talk about as much. Um, it's one of those heavy topics. We're going to be dealing with forgiveness, forgiveness in the midst of our relationships. And there are – it's weird that I don't like talking about it in terms of relationships. I love God's forgiveness. <laughs> But I just don't want to talk about me forgiving others. Um, but that's just something that we're going to be discussing. So the reality is we're going to be diving into a heavy, hard topic in forgiveness in our horizontal relationships, peer-to-peer. Um, and so I want to pray over our time together because it is weighty. And I want us to just have soft hearts going into tonight's message. So let me pray over our time together. God, I I wish that this wasn't the case, where we would need forgiveness in relationships, Um, but here we are. And so, Lord, I do ask that you would give us a softened heart, and Lord, that you would um, just direct us in wisdom and guide us through your Holy Spirit um, as we just uncover truths in Scripture, that you would... Um, just continue to bind us up and send us out, Lord. And so we we love you, and we just thank you for your word, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Forgiveness. Canceling a debt that someone owes you. We all need it, and I'm going to venture to say that relationships, all relationships, cannot survive without it. All relationships can't survive without forgiveness. 
That is how crucial forgiveness is in our relationship with others. Is that the life of your relationships depend on this one thing, forgiveness. Because the reality is, is that we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world. And when two people try to make a relationship work, it doesn't even have to be a dating relationship. It is a friendship, a peer-to-peer, a sibling, a parental relationship. There, that relationship cannot survive without forgiveness. Because the reality is, is that we're sinful. And we're broken. And we're trying, to make a, we're trying to make a union work. But we're both sinful. And so the only thing that can really help us move forward in this is forgiveness. It's the only way that a relationship can work and can move forward and can sustain is through the avenue of forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that we love only half the time. I love receiving forgiveness, right? I love being a recipient of grace. I hate dishing it out. I want people in my life to get justice, not grace, right? Don't act so spiritual out there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to receive the grace and the forgiveness. I want everyone else to receive the justice. They need to get what they deserve. The people that hurt you. I know the inner battle that goes in your mind and in your heart when it's like, how dare they? And you even do this with God. Like, you don't even know who you're messing with. How could you let this happen? How could the person hurt me so much? I mean, the reality is whenever we are in a relationship with someone, whether it's a dating relationship or whatever the source, we're in a relationship with someone, we are, in essence, placing our heart in their hands. And then when that is squandered, not dealt with kindly, it hurts. And then we're left in this predicament like, well, I guess you're either one, not my friend anymore, or I have to forgive you. Like there's this inner battle that happens anytime we're just in this turmoil and this mess that we call relationships. And so I do want to just preface up front that if we were to just have one-on-one conversations of the hurt that's been dealt to you, I know it would be heavy and it would be hard to hear. And there's this fine line between, oh, you need to forgive. And I don't want to come across this minimizing your hurt. So please hear me on that. But to speak to a room full of people with hurts on every sort of the spectrum is really difficult. So don't hear me say that you just need to forgive them and forget it. Um, whenever the hurt is so incredibly vast. I know there's those kinds of hurts on the spectrum in this room. And I also know there's hurts in this room of, well, you stole my candy bar in third grade. So I know we're talking to all ends of the spectrum when it comes to forgiveness. So I do think, though, a bird's eye view of this and what God has to say about it um, is what we're going to address. So it's, I just want to address the challenge, though, is that this is really difficult to talk to on all ends of the spectrum because the hurt's way different. But we do only love forgiveness half the time. We love receiving it. We love being recipients of the grace and forgiveness. You know what it's like whenever someone has forgiven you of some, something that you did wrong. You didn't deserve it. The person shouldn't have forgiven you, but they did. And they took you back. 
but we don't like being a, we don't want to dish that out. We don't want to give that out. We don't want to be the one to provide and extend the grace that we've been given. We just want people to act perfect around us. And we wouldn't ever verbalize it, but we do have this perfection expectation on people. And that's why it's so hard to, to maintain relationships. And so you wonder why I can't keep a boyfriend or a girlfriend or why do my friend circles keep changing and the common denominator is you. You're the problem. And I say that gently, I think. I tried to. <laughs> Hear my heart. <laughs> but you know, the, the reality in our relationship issues, every single one of us, you are the common denominator of them. So the, we do have a piece of the pie to own. But I do have something to say about this later on in the message about what we need to own and what we don't. But I think we think of forgiveness in this way because we don't like it when the offender or the person that has wronged us or someone we love, we feel like they're getting away with one when we forgive. Like, but wait a second, I don't want to forgive them quite yet. I want to give them the cold shoulder till they come crawling back to me. Or I want to treat them differently until I think they've suffered enough. Then I'll forgive them, which isn't forgiveness, by the way. Where we'll just try to make the person pay on our own terms. We don't like it when someone is going to, that has hurt us or someone we love. We don't like it when that person gets forgiven because what if, what if they do it again to someone else, which we don't truly care about. We just want to get revenge if we're honest. But we want the person to experience justice. The full wrath of God. Unleash on them for hurting me. Something happens, though, in our heart. Something happens in our heart when we can't forgive someone we trust or once trusted. I've seen this play out. I've seen someone in my life who couldn't forgive someone of just like kind of I'm going to say they're small hurts. They're just like relational kind of hurts. Oh, this person keeps one-upping. You know, you have a one-upper in your life that just, you can't get through a story without someone else one-upping your story. And this just kind of bothered you. And this person like got so fed up with the one-uppedness that they actually grew bitter towards that person. And then every little thing that person did just of their humanity bothered them so much. They were just enraged by the presence of this person. That can happen in our hearts when we don't forgive and we just allow hurts to fester. And it's kind of like a fungus. They only grow in the dark. And it was like this person chose to get bitter and not better. And that's a choice of ours. And this person chose not to forgive. Where actually it came to the point where this person was treating that other person worse than the actual offense was and it just kind of multiplied and it just got worse and worse and worse before you don't even know what the hurt actually is even more. So what do we do in our relationships when trust is broken, when hurts happen and I can't seem to find the strength to forgive because I want you to know Relationships cannot survive without forgiveness. They just can't. 
And I have one big idea tonight, and under that's going to fall under the umbrella of two points. I'm going to wrap it up with a story at the end. So the big idea tonight, if you're taking notes, the whole big idea of forgiveness tonight is that true forgiveness frees forever. True forgiveness frees forever. And what I mean by this is whenever someone hurts you, let's play this out a little bit. Someone hurts you and you say, and they apologize and you say, oh, it's fine. And then the next day that person comes back and hurts you again. Oh, it's fine. And that plays out for a while. And then months down the road, they do something again that bothers you, but worse. And then all of a sudden you just start unloading. Well, you keep doing this. You always do this. And it just, you start unloading all of the past hurts they've done on you to the point where it's actually shown itself that you didn't forgive them at all. You just held it back for a rainy day where you're saying, oh, it's fine. But I'm just going to stick it in my back pocket here. And you just keep saving them up and you keep saving them up until the point where it just spews on everyone and everything around you. But true forgiveness, true forgiveness frees forever. First point I want to make under this, and this is where we're going to get into Luke 17. First point is that forgiveness isn't an option. It's a command. Forgiveness isn't an option. It's a command. Luke 17 verses 3 through 4 say this. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, what? Forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and he comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must what? Forgive him. Now, what this passage is not saying, it's not saying carry around a clipboard, tally up the number of hurts. Once you've reached seven, I don't have to forgive you anymore. (laughs) It's not what it's saying, but rather forgiveness goes without limit. There's no number it could possibly reach. It's saying this is an extreme example. If someone comes to you seven times in a day and asks for your forgiveness, surely by Three or four times in, you're wondering about the genuineness of this repenter. Are you really even sorry? If it was seven times in one day, could you imagine someone truly hurting you to the point where they had to apologize seven times in a day? But rather, this is not saying you need to tally up the score. But rather, forgiveness goes without limit. And when Jesus speaks of seven times in a day, he does not mean the eighth offense cannot or will not be forgiven. But he's saying that our forgiveness must become habitual. Like this needs to be a habit that we implement into our life. That we be people that forgives. That we forgive quickly. From the world's point of view, a sevenfold repetition of an offense in one day can cast doubt of the genuineness of the sinner's repentance. But that is none of your concern. You ever, as a, as a child, or maybe even yesterday, I don't know how your life works, but you know, you ever have a sibling argument and your mom or dad is like, tell them you're sorry. And then you're in your half-heartedness, I'm sorry. And then your sibling's like, he didn't mean it. You ever said that before? Or heard that? <laughs> 
we, we want the person to dish out a genuine, forget, like, repentant call. Like, I need you to just feel how sorry you are. But if we don't sense the genuineness of it, we may not accept the apology. But let me just be honest with you. That is none of your concern. That you, our call from the Lord is that we forgive. Now, again, I I want to be sensitive towards this because there's a lot of heavy hurts out there. I'm not just trying to say forgive and forget. That's not what I'm saying. But at some point, we do need to work towards considering forgiveness. That we do need to work towards being a person that forgives. And that happens on its own timeline too. Because you need to be genuine in your forgiveness. But rather than saying those cold-hearted, distant, it's okay, it's fine, we've seen that those do not really pan out well. But our forgiveness needs to become a habit. And from the world's point of view, a sevenfold repetition of an offense we know is exaggerated. But forgiveness can be extremely difficult and painful. And when someone has hurt you badly enough, you're essentially giving up your right to be angry and vengeful. And in, the, in a sense, whenever you give up your right to be angry, that feels like a whole nother offense. Like some of us could just say, oh, you have the right to be angry. And there are moments in our life when anger is good and anger is, is righteous and it's okay. But sometimes we feel like the person getting forgiveness is another offense in and of itself. But this dynamic, this way of living is one way that we can exemplify the gospel in our life, that grace has truly met us. Grace has truly met us whenever we extend the grace that we've been given by Jesus. We show the world that we have truly had an encounter with grace. If the Son of Man suffered many things, paying the cost so that we could be forgiven of our sins, then we must be a people who forgive those who sin against us. And in the end, every sin will be paid for. I want you to hear that. In the end, every sin will be paid for. Scripture says, Revenge is mine, says the Lord. It's not yours. But sometimes we take that into our own hands because we want justice. I want this person to suffer like they made me suffer. But revenge is mine, says the Lord. And in the end, every sin will be paid for and it will be accounted for. So we need to take off the cap that we are thinking that we are the ones in charge and we are the ones that need to seek out revenge because in the end, no, and rest in the fact that every sin will be accounted for. But someone who does not forgive does not truly understand the gospel. Someone who does not forgive does not truly understand the gospel. If we were to receive the grace that Jesus has offered us, how free that is and liberating. Why would we want to withhold that from someone and I know the hurt's real, and I know the pain is there, and I know that we live in a sinful world. But we need to be extenders of the grace, of the very same grace that we've been given by Jesus. So true forgiveness frees forever 
And forgiveness isn't an option, it's a, com- it's a command. And point number two, when it comes to forgiveness, we need to take responsibility for our healing. We need to take responsibility for our healing. And I want to point us to a passage in Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. This is the prayer in the garden. We, we have Jesus and his disciples. This is moments before Jesus' crucifixion. He's in the garden with his disciples. Verse 36 says this. Then Jesus came with them, the disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he asked Peter, So couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping, because they could not keep their eyes open. And after leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. See, my betrayer is near. So here we have Jesus in the garden. In his moments before, he's taken in to the hands of the officials and taken to be crucified. And we can see just the the despair and the weight that Jesus is feeling. And this was not, this is not how it was supposed to be. But here we have Jesus on the scene amongst his disciples, his closest, and he's struggling. And here's what we didn't see happen. We didn't see Jesus say, come to the garden with me. Oh, mercy, I'm so weary from carrying the burdens of the world. Um, You know, pray for me. But I'm going to go over here and sulk. Because you know, here's what we often do, is that we have something done to us, we, we're, we've been hurt, we've been betrayed, whatever the case is, and then we play this little card that we like to call the victim card. And we'll ring that out for all it's got, right? We don't want to take responsibility for the, the healing, and so we just keep pointing the finger and just playing the blame game and pointing to someone else for this is why I'm this way. But your hurt, your pain may not be your fault. But you are absolutely responsible for your own healing. No one will do this for you. You are absolutely 100% responsible for taking steps towards health and growth in the midst of your hurt. But isn't it true that we allow 
hurt and pain to be the justifier of bad decisions. Well, I've been hurt. That's why I'm in this relationship because I'm, it makes me feel better. That's why I'm dabbling with these substances. That's why I'm doing this because I've been, I've been hurt in the past. I have a bad, a bad past, so I'm just going to keep making these decisions. It makes me feel better. We allow hurt to justify poor decisions. The temptation that we're going to have in all this is that we're going to be tempted to blame, to point fingers. Blame kills good and healthy relationships. You ever tried it out? It's tense. You start blaming someone. Try to have a thriving, healthy relationship and say, oh, well, all we do is just blame each other. It's really great. <laughs> Things just really kind of pan out. But we do this. Why do we feel the need to continually point the finger at everyone and everything but ourselves? Henry Cloud, he wrote a number of books on boundaries, and there's a boundaries in dating. I would recommend it. But he says this about blame. The blame that kills a good dating relationship is when one person sees themselves as blameless and attributes almost all of the problems in the relationship to the other person. This type of blame denies our badness. And the heart behind blame is really more concern about being good than about being honest. See, we need to learn to own what we need to own in our relationships. We need to own what we need to own and we need to own it gladly. And stop blaming the justifier of your poor decisions on the other person or the other things around you that have not panned out. So I want to kind of wrap this up with a story. Some of you have heard this before. Kind of sorry, not really. Sorry, guys. But I was married for six years. I dated her for five years, married for six um, there was infidelity months into our marriage and we had done a lot of things right dating wise and to be dating someone five years and to be waiting. I didn't kiss her until our wedding day. Um, and I think I have my own thoughts on that. I think we've prepared a lot of things for our wedding and not for our marriage. Um, but we did a lot of things right. And then months into my marriage, there's infidelity, there's unfaithfulness. And I was not prepared for that. Rocked my world. And uh, the most damaging thing that was probably said to me was, you can't tell anyone. And so I didn't. Besides a counselor, um, I didn't tell anyone for six years. And so I basically had to start from chapter one with my friends and with my family and say, here's the reality of where I've been. And so I'm sitting in a counselor's office months into my marriage. was not prepared to have to handle or navigate unfaithfulness. And I was just feeling every sort of emotion you would think to feel. I'm not an angry guy, but I encountered rage in a way I never knew. Uh, sadness, depression, loneliness, confusion, every sort of spectrum I could be on, I was there. 
and I was in counseling trying to get better. She did not agree to go to counseling. And so I was a pastor though. And I'm like, how, how is this going to pan out? What do you do here? I didn't read the book on, on this aspect of it. They primarily didn't prepare me for that. And so I didn't know what to do. And so I just thought I, oh, I need to get better. I need to, it's, it's my fault. I'm the one that's the issue here. And so I went to counseling and um, by myself and I go to my car one day and there's a note on my windshield and it says, Hey, my son opened the door and dinged uh, your rear passenger door. Here's my information. If you want to uh, turn it into insurance, I'm so sorry. And left her number. And I looked at the ding and it wasn't great. It wasn't a great car that actually you <laughs> wouldn't even tell it's a dent really. And so I just texted her and said, Hey, I'm um, the guy that uh, was door dinged, and uh, don't worry about it. It never happened. Have a good day. And I drove home, and God met with me on that drive home. And he said, that's, that's what my forgiveness is like. Because, see, because I forgave the door ding doesn't mean the ding was gone. It was there, and it's probably still there to this day. Just because I forgave it doesn't mean that the dent went away. And there's hurts in your relationships right now that your people will say, just forgive and forget, but you just can't forget. But you can forgive. And the relationship may look different afterwards, too. And that's okay. Sometimes boundaries need to be put in place. But like we said, forgiveness isn't an option. It's a command. And so I made a decision that day for my car. But I also made a decision that day that I'm, I'm going to forgive and I did. I forgave in my marriage. And I never once used it as an ace up my sleeve. I never used it in an argument. I never used it when things got tense. I never, whenever we felt distant towards each other, I never said, well, you know, you were unfaithful throughout the entirety of our marriage. I never once used it as an ace up my sleeve because I've made a decision to forgive. And there was times when the battle would wage in my heart that I had that against her. But I had to physically, and I would audibly say this, I would say, no, I forgave that debt. I made a choice to forgive. And sometimes the hurt is so bad and so rancid and so staunch that you can't seem to forgive it. But you say to that debt that I forgave that debt. That I still see it. The dent is still there. The repercussions of it are still happening. But I did make a choice and I chose to forgive it. Because here's the reality, that I'm so glad that God doesn't look at my mess-ups. He doesn't look at my weak attempts at righteousness and say, well, he keeps messing up. I actually regret saving him. You know, I'm so glad that God doesn't keep a clipboard and say, if he messes up one more time, that God's forgiveness is limitless. I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that we have an example in Jesus. That even on the cross, and in his moments of his, his last breath, he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And this forgiveness that we're talking about, this is the way that we, are, we, that we ought to go, is that we exemplify the grace that has met us, that we extend that grace to our relationships. 
And sometimes it hurts. It always hurts. And you're going to have to make a decision day after day after day to forgive that debt. But guess what? God's used this in my story. He's used the hurt. And I've even had, I was young in ministry, okay? I started in ministry full-time in 2012. And then a few years into my ministry, I had a random guy call me who had just said I took a whole bottle of Xanax and I just woke up. It's been two days. And he's like, my wife, I found out my wife cheated on me and I took a whole bottle. And so I'm wondering, like, am I talking to a guy in the right state of mind right now? Well, my, and I had him come to the church and we had a chat. Never met this guy before, but guess what? A 22 year old had something to say about God's forgiveness and faithfulness. I had a lot to say. And I was able to speak into a 45 year old man as a 22 year old who's actually walked through this. And he even said, you know, I, I, I go out my door and I look at the, the parking lot where his wife would meet a man. And he was like, I just can't forgive her. And I said, I understand. I get it. That's a choice that you're going to have to make every single day. You have to choose to forgive. And for the follower of Christ, it's not optional. It's a command that we do this. is that we let the grace that has actually encountered us, that we extend it to those in our life. To show that grace has met us. The world cannot survive without forgiveness. Our relationships are dependent upon it. Forgiveness. Let me pray for us. And then you'll be dismissed in your D groups. God, I thank you for your word. That we can look to it when life gets hard that we can actually use your words to capture the things that we're feeling in our heart, that Lord, that you actually put words to our emotions and we can express what we need to get out. And Lord, I pray over the hurts in this room that you would meet us in these hurts and that you would bind us up, Lord. We need your help in this. And we ask that you would um, use the time in D groups, God, to be um, refreshing, that it would be healing, and that it would be just times of, of authentic community. Lord, we ask for that and we desire it. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.